You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. All right, and now we speak to Narina Fisser, uh, the co-founder and CEO of ETFSA, on a topic I think that is relatively, I think it's something that's relatively important to discuss. Um, during the during the COVID pandemic or over the last two or so years, trading has become a very popular thing to do. A lot of people have entered the market, the rise of apps like Robinhood, um, and you know you see stories like GameStop and that kind of thing. Trading has become this very you know, trendy kind of thing to do. So I think it's important for us to discuss, I guess, what some of the key differences are between trading and investing and where people should start. So we've got uh, a true investing expert with us this evening, uh, Narina Fissa. Narina, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure, Petri. Thanks for the opportunity. I wanted to chat to you. I wanted to ask you actually a couple of things. One, you know, trading has become very, very popular, but often it's not so good for your health, right? I think what happens a lot of the time is people enter into the markets and they don't quite understand all the risks that they're taking. So maybe we can maybe chat a little bit around what are the key differences between trading um, and investing? Yeah, you're quite right. I think trading can be quite bad for both your financial health but also your emotional and your mental health depending on, <laughs> on how you get involved in it and how it goes. And for me, I think in terms of the difference between trading and investing, where trading is a certainly a more frequent activity, um, something that I think if you want to do it really well should almost be akin to a day job, you know, something that you should spend enough time and energy and effort on to be able to do something more frequently with a reasonable degree of success. Whereas investing for me is much more about the process of doing the right things over the longer, longer term. In other words, making those regular contributions to different types of investment products, whether they are tax deferred, like retirement savings or whether it's tax exempt like your tax-free savings and investment accounts or even ordinary discretionable uh, taxable accounts. So I, I like to really think in terms of frequency as, as one of the key differentiators between trading and investing but also effort, the amount of effort that is involved and maybe the amount of conscious decision-making that is involved where in the case of trading, there should be a lot of conscious planning, analyzing, thinking, all of that, whereas investing is much more about the process of, of you know, designing a good investment strategy and then sticking to that process over the longer term to really ensure the building of wealth over the long term. I think you, you, you touch on a very sort of uh, pertinent topic there or point where you know, when you trade, for example, you have to make, you know, anywhere from one to a hundred decisions a day on whether or not you're mm. going to buy or sell this instrument, right? Um, mm. Or this particular stock or, or whatever it is. Uh, as whether yeah. we're investing, the amount of decisions that you have to make reduces uh, because your time frame that you plan to be invested in the stock is longer. For example, if you, uh, you know, decide, okay, well, now is a good time to be invested in, you know, the banking sector, for example. Mm. you might have to make one decision a month. Am I going to buy this mm. bank, yes or no? I've got a yeah. long time to do research and decide which one of the banks I want to buy. Uh, maybe mm. one of them, maybe three of them, whoever knows, uh, you know, whatever your strategy is, you then make your investment decision and then you wait, mm. right, for a long yep. period of time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the key things between trading and investing also that I think many people don't consider are the tax consequences. Trading has got some significant potential tax consequences. You are mostly here operating in the realm of personal income tax. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the profits that you are generating, if you are able to generate profits with, with trading, 
it's taxed as personal income. Therefore, it could be as much as 45%, you know, of your, of your income. If it starts, considers what you are doing, um, and, and income that you are generating rather than a capital gain or dividends that you are receiving over the longer term, which is what we'd be looking at in the case of investing, your tax implications are quite different. And so I think people also tend to look at the performance of their trading strategies or the, the performance of their investment strategies on a before-tax basis. They look at the raw numbers in terms of returns that they're able to generate and don't always factor sufficiently into the equation what are the tax consequences of what I'm doing and therefore what is my after-tax returns that I'm able to generate through either trading or investing. Right, that's another good point, I guess, because what happens with, um, let's say, for example, you have a day job uh, and you do a bit of trading on the side and you make an additional 100,000 rand for the year or whatever the case that gets mm. added into your nominal income tax, which exactly. which pushes up your tax bracket and leaves you with a tax liability that you might not have budgeted for by the you know exactly. by the end of the financial year. Yep, that's exactly the the, the, the point. And it, that, that doesn't mean that one shouldn't do it, but I think one just needs to be very aware of this and understand what the implications of it is, so that you factor it into your trading strategy. Yeah. Okay. And then when it comes down to, uh, I mean, trading has a notoriously high failure rate, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I I looked at a research paper a couple of years ago, um, and it, it was something like zero point two four percent of traders. <laughs> um, this was a statistical study that they did in Brazil uh, over a space of five years, right? And something like zero point two four percent of traders. I mean, it was something like three out of uh, twenty five thousand people that they tracked. Um, sure. were able to make, uh, you know, a, 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 make a living doing it. And everybody mm. else kind of mm. either lost money or didn't make anything at all. You know, I think mm. there was about 37 people that made just over minimum wage in Brazil. Um, mm. And three of those people made, you know, to be fair, um, you know, $100 a day, which is good money, but everybody mm. else mm. lost, right? So wh- yeah. why do you yeah. think one of those, why does trading have such a high failure rate? Well, because it really is a job. <laughs> you know, you need to spend the time and the energy on and the mental sort of effort on it to make a success of trading. This is not something that is simple and comes easily and so on. So unless you're actually able to spend the necessary time on it, your chances of success is significantly diminished. Mm. That's one reason for it. I think the other reason is that people tend to um, start off with trading in quite an inappropriate way. And we saw a lot of that in your introduction referred to COVID and certainly the last year and I think there's been um, some significant reasons why a lot more people have gotten involved in trading over the last 12 to 18 months. Certainly time has been one of the biggest things that people think, well now I finally have the time you know, to, to become a full-time day trader. And um, Of course in America also with, with stimulus checks and so on money also became a lot mm. more available so many of your relatively young people who might still be living at home with their parents didn't really have a lot of overheads but was receiving these lovely sort of stimulus checks and that just went straight into their Robinhood trader app and, and allowed them to do this. But I think the problem, and the third, sorry, the third point is 
social media, the extent to people to, to which people share information, whether it is factual information or whether it is almost emotional information regarding successes, they share that on social media and so people look at that and think, oh, I can do that as well. Because unfortunately, I think uh, due to human nature, we tend to love to talk about our successes, but we're not so great at talking about our failures. So if you were to look on social media, you would think that every man and his dog is a, is a successful trader and can do this very easily because people love to, I just want to say, brag about you know the, the one or two trades that they've done that have done really well and, and keep very quiet about the ones where things did not go so well. So it creates this, this expectation that A, this is something that is easily done, B, that anybody can do it, you know, if you just apply yourself or if you are more than, and, and see that every single, single thing that I'm doing is going to be a success. Mm. And so I think this has lured a lot of people into trying their hand at trading, which on its own is not a bad thing, but I think it's about how much money do you actually commit to it and, and, and what does that form as part of your overall sort of financial plan. I think it's a wonderful skill and a strategy, and for many people this might even be a great hobby to do. And just like you would spend money on other hobbies, this I think is absolutely fine. But be very careful that day trading, especially as a new person trying it out, does not become the core of your financial plan. And also, I, I, I think I've been quite vocal about these types of things in the past, but what we see often is that, you know, offshore uh, OTC forex providers, for example, um, mm. you know, come to South Africa and they say, they advertise, invest in Apple. But <laughs> what they don't tell you is that they, you know, you're trading derivatives and CFDs, yeah. um, often with unlicensed uh, uh, entities, right? Or entities that aren't licensed in South Africa, at least. Yes. And they package it as well. Invest in Apple shares. If you invested in Apple shares two years ago, you would have been, you know, a gazillionaire <laughs> by now. Um, yeah. And often, you know, I think what's happening there is, yes, the starting point should be to be an investor first and then to build up mm. a capital base, right? Um, Absolutely. But you've got to be quite discerning around making sure that you're, what you're investing in is actually the actual investment product or the investment vehicle or the, the real share, right? Not uh, yes. not some derivative um that's been carefully designed to, to yeah. you know, encourage as much in and out transactions as possible. Yeah, yeah. You know, Petra, I think, unfortunately, investing when done properly actually is quite boring. Uh, mm -hmm. Boring in the sense that because it's not something that, that requires high-frequency interaction or whatever, and it's really about a long-term strategy, for many people, this is not the kick that they're looking for when they think in terms of trading, for example. Um, so, so I often recommend that absolutely start with the investing. Make sure that you actually make use of the tax benefits that are on the table for you. Make sure that you've got that that proper core of investments in place that, that sort of looks after itself. And then start by learning about trading. Do so in a demo account. Do so with, with you know, paper models or trading that you do. Get your excitement that way in terms of honing your skills, learning more about this, so that by the time you are actually financially ready to start trading, and financially ready does not mean that you need to have a significant asset base. It just means that you've got over and above what you've allocated towards long-term investments. You've got some money available, which think of it as a hobby for starting out. You know, the money I love crocheting, for example. So trust me, I spend enough money on, on yarns and on crochet hooks and so on. And, and so different people have got different hobbies. Think of it as money that you're going to be allocating to a hobby, which means you should be prepared 
to lose it. But think of your purpose of that activity to learn, to learn this new skill rather than just to see how much money can I make in the shortest possible time because that is the one surefire way to make sure that you're actually going to lose it all. And that's certainly not what we want to achieve by by honing our skills as traders. Yeah, I think that's very, very good advice. Um, Narina, thank you very much for, for your time to chat to us. Um, My I really, pleasure. I really appreciate the insight, and I think there's some really good advice in there. If you, uh, you know, are interested in starting to, to to get into the world of trading, rather start by making fewer decisions, taking longer term views, doing a lot of homework, and then when mm. you are, um, uh, you know, when you eventually do start trading, see it as I'm doing this to learn as much as possible, not to become rich overnight. Right? Um, Absolutely. But all right, <laughs> Narina, thank you very much for your time. I hope you have a great evening. Thanks, Petri. Same to you and the listeners.